0: Hello and welcome to The Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. My name is Tyler Kusunoki. I'm an admissions consultant working out of Tokyo with students from everywhere uh, to help them achieve their college dreams. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this podcast, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Do also follow us and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date. Please leave us a rating or a comment as well. Any sort of feedback is very welcome. And that really helps this podcast reach more people. We also have a Patreon now. If you're looking to more directly support the podcast in some small way, please check us out at patreon.com slash accepted for access to resources that will help you reach your college goals. All right. So uh, last week, we had a little bit of a conversation around chat GPT and the influence that that is potentially going to have on a- high school academics and also college applications as a process. And I was going to spend some time today talking a- about the impact of those similar technologies on students who are interested in applying to art or music programs. However, as I've been parsing through the news, a couple other big things have come up that I wanted to make sure we spend some time addressing. And the first one of these is going to be the upcoming Supreme Court decision that is dealing with the cases of Harvard and the University of North Carolina. And the impact that that is going to have on affirmative action what that potentially means for the college application process and how you can respond. So to get into it just a little bit, uh, the Supreme Court case, again, similar to my conversation about Gbt last week, I'm not going to go too much into the nitty gritty. The whole goal of this podcast is to make the sometimes ambiguous and undigestible parts of the college admissions process digestible to as many people as possible. And that applies to how I explain legal cases as well. So the big deal here with the Supreme Court case is essentially both Harvard and UNC have been taken to court by people arguing essentially that affirmative action is unfair. Right? that the concept of, an, of un- affirmative action actually skew makes it disadvantageous for people who are not of an ethnic minority to get in that affirmative action these this idea that there is a quota that we need to fill that we want to make sure that we give access to traditionally minor uh, traditionally minority groups whether that be African Americans or Asians or whatever right and this also includes things like first generation college students right people from underserved population All of those different things. Uh, But affirmative action has primarily been based on ethnic lines, right? Racial and ethnic lines has been the decision making process. And I'm sure whether you are a student or parent, you've heard rumors of quotas, especially if you're applying internationally, like, oh, they only take two kids from Japan and five kids from Vietnam. How do I make sure I'm one of those five? Right. And what these cases are placing in jeopardy is this entire practice. Of affirmative action. That basically it is being argued that affirmative action is built on these grounds of educational diversity. But what has been challenged in the court is A, does it really create diversity and how do we define that? Uh, But also, don't these policies then make it so that people who are in the majority, right, and most likely equally qualified, right, won't be able to get into these institutions, right? Because institutions have a fixed amount of seats, right? And so if I, due to fulfilling my affirmative action policies and my goal to create a diverse class, if I have to fill five seats with kids from Asia Pacific, right? Those are five seats that are not going to potentially equally qualified, basically white kids in America, right? So that's the case. The case is basically raising questions as to whether or not affirmative action is acceptable policy for these institutions. And it's going to be a very interesting situation because you have both a public and a private university who are on the docket here. Because normally a lot of Supreme Court cases can't really impact the private education sphere because private schools are a business, they are independent, right? Whereas obviously public, public schools will fall under, to some degree, a governmental, effective governmental policy. And we've seen that in California, where they've put stricter limitations on how many out-of-state applicants can apply, for example. But... Where what all this means, essentially, and because of the political shift of the court, right, the fact that it is very much a conservative supermajority at the moment, there is a pretty high expectation that the decision, which is likely to come down in June, there are some expectations that what will happen is they will throw out the concept of affirmative action, that affirmative action will going forward potentially be unlawful, right? It would not be allowed for schools to have admissions policies that are built on the basis of affirmative action or diversity quotas or whatever that may be. So that is the baseline of it, right? And of course, colleges are concerned because of more philosophical things right of just that like well how are we then supposed to build a diverse class if we can't kind of to some degree pick and choose who we bring in because it's so competitive right everyone's kind of good right so we on some level can pick and choose who we allow in right What happens when we no longer can be screening for those things, right? And how this might manifest in terms of the overall application is colleges will no longer ask for your race, will no longer ask for your ethnicity, will no longer necessarily ask for a lot of things that they ask about that gives them data points to help them determine uh, whether or not you are of a particular background. Um, Those questions might be going away. So what does this mean? Right. That's a tricky question because obviously the decision hasn't come down yet and the range of what these decisions might mean, the range is going to be quite broad. And so what are we going to see? We're going to see a couple different things, right? If it turns out that affirmative action is going to get thrown out, obviously schools have to change their policies, but in terms of how that affects things in the more broadly applicable circumstances, right, is that colleges ultimately still want to field a diverse class, right? That's the reality, is that at the end of the day, whether or not people agree with the value of it, colleges themselves want to be known for and believe in generally the value of having racial, gen- racial, sexual, and socioeconomic, and to some degree, faith-based diversity, right? That That Exchange of different ideas is an essential part of the college experience. And so, what is going to happen is if I am no longer allowed to easily make these decisions, right, I'm going to have to make some other decisions that are going to impact this. So, one example of this is that, especially in the US, race and socioeconomic class are actually pretty firmly tied together, right? That African-American communities by and large are underserved in terms of the public education support that they receive and all of the other things that are essential at this point in time to a good college admissions. So let's just take, for example, the SAT and the ACT, right? While it is a standardized metric, right, that this test is standardized, all of you know it's not fair, right? Because the kids who can afford to can pay for the $7,000 a month for intensive training, right? I work with kids who get sent to Korea for the 80 hours a week boot camps, right? Where they drill you on 600 vocabulary words a week and you just do endless testing and you come back and you can get a 1550. That wealth gives access to support systems that are essential parts of the college admissions process, even though the college admissions process, argue, is is supposed to be equal it's not right my ex- my current position the reason i am gainfully employed right is because there is this disparity that families who have the resources can afford to provide their kids with so much additional support that a lot of families cannot so if i am trying to recruit a diverse class i need to get rid of those things i need to get rid of those standards of admissions that give wealth an unequal advantage, right? Because wealth is so clearly, in some cases, especially in America, because wealth is so clearly tied to race, right? Um, And so what that means is potentially just getting rid of the SAT and the ACT completely, right? Why have a metric that is going to give one group a advantage in an environment where I can't then follow up and pick and choose who comes in, right? Based on the class that I want to build. All right. So that's one thing, is that there are potentially huge ramifications for standardized testing. You're already starting to see ramifications for legacy. A lot of schools are starting to get rid of legacy, which on some level I'm quite happy for because. I think that legacy, especially for international students, legacy is very unfair and provides um, a lot of students advantages that they that they don't really necessarily have to work for. Their parents had to. Their parents certainly have deserve that right to be able to give their child the benefit to get into a good school. However, the degree to which legacy is preferred, especially from international families, I think that going away may be a good thing. MIT, uh, I believe Amherst as well, um, and a few others have already started to get rid of that, get rid of legacy requirements uh, or just a legacy priority. And so those things are the wider spread impact of this is that when I no longer can clearly pick, I need to get rid of or add new admissions processes that can help me kind of still do it while not officially calling it affirmative action. <laughs> right. And so, and this has impacts on all kinds of other things, right? And um, in terms of will there be a greater emphasis and will it be more advantageous for you in your essays to bring up your race and your religion and your socioeconomic background, right? Because I can't tell you not to write about it. Right. But because I no longer get to select it on the application, must I find some way to discuss it meaningfully in my essay? And what that means in turn is should some of my high school time be spent actually really cultivating what my culture is? Right. If I am Japanese, should I, and I love music, should I be taking up a traditional uh, Japanese instrument? I work with a student who I have, who is one of the remaining practitioners of Nihon right? Which is traditional Japanese dance. And it is a dying art, but it is a very traditional art and has been passed down generation to generation. This kid has thought about uh, quitting it many times to pursue more modern contemporary dance. Um, and we've gone back and forth on like the importance of her keeping it kind of, obviously on one level for maintaining that culture and keeping it going, but also just for her narrative to get in. right? So do you spend more time really trying to identify what your culture is and leaning into it in some meaningful way? Because then you can talk about it and highlight to admissions officers who are f- scratching their heads and trying to find a way to continue to build a diverse class in an environment where legally I'm not allowed to ask you questions or to ta- well, I'm, I am allowed to, but I'm not allowed to have policies that accept you based on your race or your socioeconomic background or anything like that. And so that becomes this kind of tricky back and forth, right? That kind of an extension of what I was talking about before of that of, of that. The the ramifications of this are not just that oh well who what's the big deal right if if race is not included right isn't that better doesn't it make everything more of a meritocracy anyways kind of but um i mean yes it does right on some level it should serve to equalize things but when you dig a little deeper as i've mentioned before all of those things that all of those metrics that are quote-unquote equal really aren't right? A a student from a poor background can't send, can't go to a fancy summer camp, won't have the connections to get a nice cushy internship, right? Won't have all of these things that someone else will be able to and will be able to highlight on their application, right? And so that is on top of obviously the uh, test prep and the um, admissions counseling advice and all of these other different things. And so what has been going around with many different schools is, well, we need to, we don't know what the decision is going to be, but we must start planning for what might happen. And, um, and this is going to be very important, right? And so with this, right, what are you guys supposed to do? What are you all supposed to do with all of this information and the possibility that things might pretty dra- dramatically change, right? Um, some of it, as I mentioned, is that there, that components that tell your narrative, components of the application process that tell your narrative are going to be increasingly important. So your essay, your supplements, the additional information on the Common App, your interview, Right all of a sudden, these pieces, if a lot of this stuff goes through, right? All of a sudden, these pieces are going to become very important places to really show not just how capable you are, but really how different you are, right? And to try to capture a lot of your background and upbringing in the overall narrative that you're choosing to pick, right? And so how the college essay um, is structured right, and how you develop your story is going to become increasingly important. I think I've mentioned this before. The interview is going to become an increasingly important piece because I can not have an affirmative action policy, but still like build a diverse class if I if I know what I'm looking for, and so. Part of it is figuring out well what are they looking for, and a big part of what they're looking for is unique experiences, a background that is going to be a little bit different, right? If you had, if you're an international student, most international school students live in a bubble, right? Getting outside that bubble and. Doing something meaningful in your actual in the actual surrounding community, not hopping from kind of bubble to bubble to bubble, right? Um, but actually getting outside of it and doing something meaningful in your community is something a little bit different, right? Because most of the international students' school student essays that I'm going to read are like, well, I'm half Chinese, I'm half American, I don't know who I am, I'm a little bit of both, blah, right? What have you? What are you doing that? separates yourself from your peers right that is going to become it has always been an important metric but i think it's going to become an increasingly important metric as well if you are a first generation college student that's obviously a big deal make sure you find a way to highlight that right but i think it's also going to be important to actively seek out struggle because If I read, because I've read thousands of essays by this point and the essays that are written by students who have really had to fight to get to where they are, whether that be because of socioeconomic reasons or because there has been family tragedy or because they've personally struggled with something. Their voice, their maturity, their ambition, their view of the world is always... Just stronger than students who have not, right? And in lieu of the possibility that I cannot necessarily screen for socioeconomic background, right? As an admissions officer, I would be looking to compensate for that by seeking out stories of like genuine, meaningful hardship. And growth as a result of that hardship, because that challenge will be unique to you for sure, right? Because the context will be specific to you. Right. And so what does it mean to seek out failure? Or not, not not seek out failure, that's the wrong way of putting it. But what does it mean to seek out challenge meaningfully, right? While you are in an environment where there still may be a safety net for you, right? What does it mean to really embrace your culture? If, whether that's a monoculture because you are fully one race or a couple different cultures. What does it mean to actually embrace both of those right, and explore them in a meaningful way? right? All of these things are going to, if the Supreme Court decision is as wide-reaching as some people expect it to be, but even if it is narrow and just kind of limits what affirmative action can be, a lot of different Elements of how we traditionally approach college prep and college admissions prep and advising are going to shift because the metrics that are normally viewed as standardized um, have never really been and they will be removed because colleges are now going to have to figure out their own ways to kind of under the table build a diverse class. And that is going to mean removing a lot of the things because they no longer can just look at standardized metrics, but then also look at what race are you and pick. All right? They need to, there will need to be some revision of a lot of those things. And so going forward, my view is, um, and I've, this has always been true, but more than ever before, you having a mature, developed voice that has gone through challenge that has gone through that has experienced failure and rebounded and can talk meaningfully about your growth from those areas right you thinking more strategically about who are who is my competition who is immediately around me is most of what i do pretty much exactly the same as what they're doing well then i'm not competitive i mean i have it's not that i'm not well not so much that i'm not competitive i don't stand out in any way right so seek to break away and i know that's hard high school is a peer pressure pressure cooker but and there is tremendous pre- t- p- t- tremendous pressure to conform and i think you all recognize that so recognize it and have the courage to step away to step out onto your own platform because that is going to be the process that is going to give you the challenge for sure and the struggle and most likely the failure, that is going to help you have a narrative, and an interview person persona, that is going to continue to be competitive regardless of how all of these others other metrics are changed by the Supreme Court case. Okay, all right, that's it for today. I know that was a lot. We will. I will obviously continue to be tracking this, and as we get more news on um, the proceedings, I will. Talk about those here on the podcast. Um, next week, we will get back to our chat GPT, um, not chat GPT, on AI. Um, I really want to talk about AI from the context of uh, art, from the context of music, from the context of just coding and programming and all these different areas and how that can potentially affect college applications as well. And then following from that, we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive onto the new SAT. I know that's coming up in March for many of you, if you are international students. So I want to make sure you are prepared. So stay tuned for all of that. All right. Okay. Thanks for listening to The Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusunoki. We hope you enjoyed today's topic on the Supreme Court decisions around affirmative action. Uh, join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you're hearing and want to support this podcast, be sure to leave us a rating and some comments on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice follow us and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date we also do regularly host events both in person and online so if you're interested in attending free info sessions with me and real admissions officers check us out at tokyoacademics.com slash events that is tokyoacademics.com slash events that's it for today and remember the key to getting in is getting ready thank you